catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Ah, the copperhead snake. It hisses before attacking. But that's not a copperhead. That's the Sullivan's RV freshwater tank overflowing into their black one, which is backing into their vent pipe, making for a very different kind of attack. One that arrives just in time for taco night. It's wild out there. When it gets too wild, Progressive has your RV covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Adios, old friend. Yeah, I've got no secrets and no regrets. Well, a lot of regrets, but the point is I've got nothing to hide. Kind of like the way Progressive shows you their competitors' rates. You gotta put it all out there, baby. Excuse me, miss. Does this heart belong to you? Would you like it anyway? Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparisons not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Here is LeBron James has entered the building. He's wearing Los Angeles Lakers gold and purple shorts. He's got the T-shirt on. There you see him sitting baseline and getting set to watch his uh, new franchise summer league team. And he, he's not going to play this afternoon. Uh, he's just going to watch the game. I didn't see him warm up, so we'll see if he's going to play. But LeBron James, who signed the uh, four-year max, of course, uh, this crowd is on its feet. Everybody has their uh, cell phones out taking pictures of LeBron Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where Zvi came, Zvi saw, Zvi conquered, is what I would have said had the Lakers closed it out and won back-to-back Summer League championships tonight, but alas, serves me right for trying to queue up intros and episode titles a bit early. I was originally going to name this episode The Heart of a Champion, like Josh Hart, but Of course we didn't win, so you can blame me for jinxing things. But you know what, Tommy? You know who else lost in a basketball finals and is still living his best life as a Laker this year? Xavier Raton Mays. No. Let's try that again. LeBron James! LeBron James! So yes, the Lakers lost in the finals against the Portland Trailblazers and KJ McDaniels. Told you that guy was going to be good eventually. Um, (laughs) But... Josh Hart did win Summer League MVP, getting the trophy before the game. You know, all in all, the Lakers ended up having their worst game during championship night. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter because somehow, someway, the Lakers still have LeBron James. And in the next four years, they're actually going to have a chance at the real championship simply because they got the king. So welcome to the show. We're going to recap Summer League, talk about and gush over Josh Hart and obviously Zvi Mikhailu, Zvi 
quote-unquote more than a shooter, Mikhailu. Uh, and also talk about LeBron James and how this could inevitably be his most unique and interesting year ever. And what his motivations are coming into this year with such a wonky sort of lineup that he's never had in his life before. But Tommy, we've been talking about how unreal and surreal it's been having LeBron and the Lakers. And, and it seems like every new tidbit of news and, and the more and more LeBron gets officially ingratiated as a Laker, we keep leveling up in terms of the uh, I'm pinching myself, is this real kind of feeling that we've been getting. Last week, it was LeBron James officially signing his uh, contract Culver City, Blaze Pizza. Sorry, we told everybody to come out there. He didn't end up coming out to Blaze Pizza in Culver City. So, our bad. Um, but this past week, the new I'm pinching myself is this real moment came when LeBron James visited the Lakers Summer League team during the playoffs on Sunday, rocking some retro purple and gold shorts, sitting courtside, dapping it up with Josh Hart, dapping, dapping it up with Brandon Ingram, Three-point celebrating whenever Caruso hit a three, shouting out Tzvi Mikhailu's name. Tommy, how did you feel when you saw LeBron James walk onto the court, rocking purple and gold, Snapchatting about his shorts, and then embracing all the young guns, celebrating as if it were a regular season game and he was on the bench getting them hyped? Yeah, how did it hit you this time? It's it's weird. It's still weird. I I don't know how long it's going to take me to get used to it. And honestly, I feel like at this point, I'm going to need to see this guy play like one full season as a Laker before I I finally wake up and I'm like, oh yeah, he's a Laker, no big deal. You know what I mean? It's it's just crazy. Like everything he does and just the positivity that he's brought along with himself. Um, he is a superstar. He's the best player in the NBA. He's you know. Arguably, you know, besides Kobe, I think probably the biggest star of our era or of this past era. And uh, it's just so bizarre to think that that he's on this team. And I don't know. I don't know what will get me used to it. But it's crazy that despite all of those accolades, he's shown up and has just been like one of the guys. And has just been like a leader and has put himself out there as somebody who, you know, he's not like... And I, I don't want to use Kobe. I, I feel like I said this maybe in our Facebook thread, or I said this something the other to somebody the other day. Watch your words very carefully. I know, but seriously, like I, I feel like this season. I'm just going to be honest. I feel like this season. One thing I'm going to say a lot is, uh, I love Kobe, but and I and I honestly though, it's it, this has nothing to do with Kobe. It's just two completely different styles. But I really love the way that LeBron doesn't put himself, you know, above anybody else. Oh, you know, you're a rookie who I've never heard of. You're a second year player who weighs 150 pounds, who, who, you know, has shown like flashes of promise, but hasn't really done anything meaningful in the league. I'm still going to treat you like you're the man, you know what I mean? It's not going to be this, like I'm LeBron James, you know, come kiss the, the King's ring. You know what I mean? It's like, he's, he's just one of the guys. And, and I think that part is really exciting. Yeah, I think LeBron James throughout his career has always been a very inclusive kind of player, even as the team's leader. In a way, I think he's a he's a weird combo, and I know people 
will probably raise an eyebrow to this. He's a weird combo of Dwight Howard and Kobe Bryant. When Dwight Howard was like the fun-loving, inclusive guy who didn't have, you know, wishy-washy mental tendencies. You know what I mean? Um, right. And, and I think for this team, that's the exact type of guy that they that they need, especially working with so many young guys, uh, so many millennials. You know, the, the way that they respond, uh, I think, is going to be important to their development. And with a guy like LeBron... You know, he still has the killer mentality. He still knows when to get serious. I mean, you saw it in the finals, him like crushing J.R. Smith. And, you know, LeBron has that killer edge. But at the same time, when it comes down to it, you know, he also has the proper amount of perspective to know how to bring these guys along. And and the way he does that is through affirmation. So and I think that's something to be excited about with regards to how how he will potentially lead this young team and young group. And we'll get into that a little more throughout the show. But um, for me, yeah, it was surreal seeing LeBron James rocking the purple and gold in such I mean, it's been a, a one month turnaround. And all of a sudden, LeBron James is fully a Laker. A month ago, this guy was in the finals playing for the Cleveland Cavaliers, his hometown. And now it's like he's always been a Laker. And he's really dapping it up and living it up as a as part of this franchise and part of this legacy. It's it's crazy. And um, I, I just had really, really good feelings seeing him dancing on the sidelines. And uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I was wank wanking. What, what was your wank wank meter on? Uh, no comment. Um, so yeah, uh, before we delve into this episode though, and get into some, our summer league recap and, and more LeBron James stuff, as usual, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers legacy pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes because the more you rate and review us, that's how many customized LeBron James handshakes, three point celebrations and all that stuff tailored specifically to each of his Lakers teammates that we will be seeing this year. So no shooter is my ass. LeBron James going to be three-point celebrating with his man, Svi Mikhailu, all day, all night. Tommy, speaking of Svi Mikhailu and the Lakers Summer League team, look, the finals game was trash. Uh, it's clear Josh Hart did not have the legs. Svi Mikhailu didn't have the legs because this guy was missing consecutive open three-point shots. And, and the Lakers just laid an egg. But outside of this pa- this last game... Uh, what are your overall thoughts on the development of Josh Hart? And initially, he was only supposed to play like a game or two. It was on his accord that he wanted to to play pretty much every every summer league game because he said, look, I'm going to play five on five one way or another. I'd rather play it against quote unquote NBA caliber competition. And in the process, he has shown us a preview of what he could be bringing in his sophomore year and that the close of his season last year at the very least, wasn't a fluke, you know, and that he is he seems to have picked up and gained not only a new level of confidence, but some skills that that he didn't necessarily have last year. And I and I think most of that comes from the fluidity in his the fluidity in his dribble game, driving to the driving to the rim. He just looks a lot more comfortable on the floor with the ball in his hands, initiating the offense either for himself or other players. Uh, the continuation of his three point shot. And somehow he got stronger and he's continuing to showcase his finishing ability in the lane. And most of all, you just see it in, in his level of confidence out there um, as a second year player. And then, of course, Svima Kailu, he continues to impress. The last game, he had 31 points, six three-pointers. Uh, this summer league, 
including tonight's game against the Portland Trailblazers. He's averaging 16 points, 48% from the field. And over the last few games, he's really shown more and more his playmaking ability, ability to find guys through the pick and roll, make these really nice and crisp bullet passes to his centers and big men, and really proving to people that, yeah, he is more than a shooter, even even in spite of the fact that he is a knockdown shooter and probably one of the best, if not the best, three-point shooter in this draft class. So, yeah, what are your overall thoughts on, on the Lakers-Vegas Summer League team and, and particularly Josh Hart? Summer League MVP Josh Hart and uh, Zvi, more than a shooter, Mikhailu. So I am obviously very impressed with both of them. I think the interesting thing here is I thought Josh was going to look really good, and he, and he did. He obviously won MVP. I just, I did not think he was going to win MVP good. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I knew that Josh Hart has always struck me as a super hard worker. I've alluded on, you know, on this podcast and and to you guys, uh, just when we talk separately, that, you know, I follow, I, I like follow this. I try to do this with most of the Lakers, especially the young guys, but... I follow Josh Hart on Twitter. I follow him on Instagram. I, I watch him on Twitch sometimes, you know, not just because he's Josh Hart, just because I think it's like entertaining, you know? And so I feel like just based on these things, I'm not going to say that like that necessarily gives me more insight into his personality, but in a weird way, it kind of does, right? It's like when he's on Twitch, just like playing video games, he's not filtering what he's saying like he is for like the media, you know? So mm. He just has always struck me as somebody who's super, super serious and somebody who knows what it takes to be good. And so I had no doubts that he was going to come out and be extremely efficient and, you know, score 15-ish points a game. I I really had no doubts about that. What I did not know was he was going to be a 22, you know, point-per-game type of guy scoring 37 in one game, you know, and shooting efficiently on top of all of that and, like, doing it in a variety of ways. Like, you don't average 22 points a game. I don't care what league it is. You know what I mean? Like, you're not going to average 22 points a game unless you have the ability to score in a variety of ways because at some point it became clear that this was our best player and defenses were hounding him just, like, when he had the ball and when he was off the ball and he was still catching it, and he was literally, like, going one-on-one with guys and, like, using screens and, like, either creating plays for his teammates or creating shots for himself. And that's not something that a normal, like, we thought we had a 3 and D guy here, potentially, who could be, like, a rotation, a rotation player on a good team. Now it's starting to look like we have something much more than that, right? Because 3 and D players who are, like, you know, solid bench players on good teams... I, you know, they don't show things like what Hart has shown in the summer league this year. And I know it's the summer league and all this and that, but he is also just a second year player. And we've seen how much he improved from year one to year two. And that's after being a four year college player. So I think this guy's like, you know, is he going to be Michael Jordan? No, he's like, you know, work can only take you so far. But I think he's proven that he's going to be a very, very, very nice piece. And then Svi Mikhailuk. Oh, wait, sorry. Before you get into Svi, I was going to say, uh, you know, Josh Hart, in terms of some of the things that we've seen that we didn't necessarily see last year, how about those in and out dribbles into reverse spin moves for the lay in? You know, like him being able to use all of a sudden this very 
fluid ability to get into the lane and you use his strength on top of that and use them in conjunction together to, you know, hit these very tough shots against bigger dudes, even in summer league, I think has been very impressive. And, you know, he's not going to be Michael Jordan or anything like that, but can he at least be the type of player that we thought and we're hoping out of Jordan Clarkson. And I think that's why, you know, Magic Johnson said it, but we've also said it on our message thread, but could Josh Hart really compete with KCP this year for the starting shooting guard spot? And given the qualities and skills that he has shown, not only in Summer League, but even towards the tail end of last year, he could be the perfect type of player alongside LeBron, who's not necessarily a high usage player, but his three-point shot is for real. His rebounding is for real his tenacity is for real and his Corey Maggetti like shoulders and and solid built body are for real as well yeah <laughs> okay cool <laughs> yeah dude but I don't know I both of these guys it's just it's like you said it's it and just imagine like everything Josh Hart just did in the summer league but he is the fifth best player on it on his team you know the fifth best player for his team on the court which could be the case, you know, depending on how Lonzo improves. If it's if it's like he gets out on the floor, I'm not saying starting or whatever, but he gets out on the floor with like Lonzo, Brandon Ingram, Kuzma, and LeBron, and he's the fifth guy. All of a sudden, he is very easily, you know, in a lot of ways, maybe the the worst quote unquote offensive player of that of that tandem. So he is not going to have to go like one on three, like he was doing in the summer league. This guy's job and he's going to fill his role is to find the open spots, catch the ball, make big plays, you know, make big shots, I should say. And if he doesn't have the shot, take it off the dribble and try to make a play yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, he's not just a catch and shoot guy. And I think he's shown that, but he also doesn't need to be a 30 point per game scorer in the NBA. So it's going to make him even more efficient than what he looked like in the summer league. You know, in the summer league, he had to take a lot of tough shots. Despite that, he still shot, you know, close to 50% overall and over 40% from three. But he had to take so many difficult shots. And just the fact that he's capable of doing that. I mean, this is like, could Danny Green do something like this? No. You know, I'm just trying to think of these guys that over the years have emerged as, you know, high-paid two-guard guys who were known as two-way players and you think of all these three and D guys, and that's not Josh Hart is so much more than that. But uh, but yeah, I, I just I was going to say earlier, like just also super impressed with Spee. Um, similar thing, like I knew he could shoot the ball. Uh, I think I was most impressed by his ability to shoot in a variety of ways, and by that I mean like he doesn't just catch and shoot set shots. He can run, sprint the floor, like three quarter court sprint, stop on a dime, catch a pass in motion and like perfectly rise up and bounce and hit a shot. And that is a very, you know, unique skill and is going to make him a very, very, very valuable NBA player moving forward, given the way the pace of the game is moving. Um, So everything I saw from him, same thing. It's like the fact that we have that guy locked up for three years and then after that, he we're going to have his full bird rights. It's just going to be like, it, it, this guy's going to be being paid like a million dollars when he's literally like <laughs> one million dollars when he's like a third year player. And he could theoretically just be like lighting it up for us at that point. So it's, it's a pretty awesome to think about. Yeah, I think in the Cleveland game in particular, 
you talk about him sprinting down the court and catching a pass, but he can do that off his own dribble as well and pull up in transition and just knock down a three. And last night against the Cavs, he was curling off screens with his legs flailing all over the place, and it didn't matter because his the top half of his body was squared up and the shot still purely went in. I think he was 6 for 11 last night, and some of the threes he was hitting were incredible. He was hitting stuff off the dribble, uh, showing some shake-and-bake Shake and bake moves into step back threes, step back jump shots, even with guys running at him. And I think over the last few games, too, he's shown a little bit more of his dribbling capabilities in transition. He had that one transition play where he, he did a nice spin move and then all he took it all the way to the basket. And even tonight, in spite of the fact that he struggled in the first half, you know, in the second half, he had a couple really nice pick and roll plays and dishes to Jeff Ayers. Is that his name? Yeah, yeah, and, and and the last game as well. Just really nice pick and roll reads, knowing how to draw in defenders and quickly pitch it out to his big man, and knowing where to where to be at all times on the perimeter. I think I've been really impressed with V, his rebounding ability, ability to push the ball up the court and handle the ball in a pinch. So I'm running out of you know great white combo crossovers to come up with for this guy because. Especially in the Cleveland game, he looked a little bit Goran Dragic and a little bit Manu Ginobili, um, a little bit Jerry West, a little bit Paige Stojakovic, a little Wally Zerbiak, a little Jason White Chocolate Williams. Tommy, do you have any more? No, I think you covered the good ones. <laughs> a little Adam Morrison, <laughs> a little Chris Mim. I mean, this guy is pretty a much little Chris Mim. <laughs> I think any great white combo you can come up with, that encompasses V. Mikhailu because he's showing the the full package, and I'm very excited to see how he's going to play with someone who can suck in the defense the way that LeBron James does and elicit the type of confidence in a shooter that LeBron James does. If LeBron James is able to do this with Booby Gibson and Shetty Osman, I can only imagine what he can do with V. Mikhailu. Yeah, the poor, the poor man's Ryan Kelly. <laughs> the poor man's Ryan Kelly. Oh, is that what you're calling Shetty Osman? No, it's Fee McKaylee, dude. <laughs> Ryan Kelly's the goat, dude. <laughs> that's true. That's true. But yeah, Josh Hart's V. McKaylee, great duo. It, it sucks that Mo, Mo Wagner went down with an injury about two or three games into the Vegas Summer League. Would have been nice to see him square up against the masked crusader Zach Collins tonight. Instead, we got Zach Collins versus Jeff Ayers. So cool. Um... But all in all, very encouraging signs from the Lakers Summer League team, in spite of the fact that we did not have a lotto pick this year. And yeah, now we're on to the real stuff. This is Mike from the Almighty Baller Network. It's nice to have a helping hand, especially when it's tax season, and that hand is attached to a licensed tax professional. With TurboTax Live, you can talk to real CPAs and EAs on demand who can review your return with you before you file and to make sure you get your maximum refund. They can even check your work line by line so you can be confident it's done right. Who knew confidence and peace of mind could be synonymous with taxes? TurboTax Live with CPAs and EAs on demand. See details at TurboTax.com. Let TurboTax Live be your helping hand. Visit TurboTax.com today. An actual chance at the championship. And look, maybe the first year... Maybe we're not really contending for a championship and it's more about the playoffs. Depending on who you listen to tonight, uh, with regards to their interviews, you kind of heard two different things. For Magic Johnson, he pretty much said, 
you know, we're not too concerned about the regular season. We're concerned about giving ourselves a shot. And then once we make the playoffs, anything happens. We like our team right now and we're willing to be patient. Uh, and then you hear Rob Palinka and he says, no, why wait? We're thinking about the championship this year. We'll see what happens come training camp and we'll we'll find ways to improve, whether that's internally or externally, maybe even come the trade deadline. But we're looking to win the championship this year. So, Tommy, hearing hearing both sides of the coin, and obviously I'm sure you've heard the noise from non-Lakers NBA Twitter and, and the rest of the media kind of criticizing and harping on the Lakers signings after LeBron. And we've talked about it already, you know, the... The oddities of Rajon Rondo, Lance Stevenson, JaVale McGee, not really having a center right now. LeBron James coming to the Lakers being probably the worst kept secret in the league, not only for July and June, but maybe the last six months. And we had been theorizing about this even last year. And, you know, a lot of people are coming down on the Lakers and LeBron James and trying to discount, I guess, what Rob Palink and Magic Johnson have have built and tried to turn around in a year's time in terms of you know getting the requisite cap space and drafting the right players this past year to to make this an easier decision for LeBron James um yeah what are your thoughts just about this notion of LeBron James coming into this year as a punt year do you think LeBron James is punting this year do you think because he always knew he was going to be a Los Angeles Laker regardless, that all he needed to see was, okay, they have cap space to sign another star, and there are young guys, but maybe we can flip them later, and we'll just wait this year out and see what happens. Do you think that Rob Palenka, Magic Johnson, and LeBron James are conceding this next year? And, and what do you think LeBron James' motivations are? Do you think he's waving the white flag and saying, yeah, I'm going to take my time this next year and get myself acclimated to Los Angeles and really settling in here before I really take it into overdrive? Or do you think all of that is just hogwash? No, I think all of that is complete hogwash. <laughs> I think they're going... <laughs> I just like the, the word hogwash. hogwash. So thank you for bringing that up. But um, I, I think they're going into the season with the mindset of we think we have a good team and we're going to try to win. And I, fr- I frankly don't think that's unreasonable. You know, I think the media has done a very good job of, of making, you know, the casual NBA fan probably think that the Lakers have absolutely no chance. And look, realistically, maybe not a great chance. But, you know, all I'm saying is Golden State was an injury away from, you know, missing the finals this year with, you know, with respect to Houston. Houston was a final uh, injury away. You know, you can argue two minutes away from making the finals this year uh, because of Chris Paul, you know, tearing obviously his hamstring at the end of like a game that was already won. Um, you know, but on the flip side, it's like same thing could happen next year. Houston has lost a little bit of depth on top of that. Chris Paul is even a year older. You know, when you look at Golden State, Steph Curry was out the first round and like, you know, what if something similar happened? What if somebody, what if KD got hurt? What if Clay Thompson got hurt? You see these teams that seem so invincible. Literally all it takes is one injury. One injury and all of a sudden the entire dynamic of the league changes. And I think that's why, although it feels, uh, you know, I think to a lot, and again, where I think the media would make a lot of casual fans feel like it's completely futile to even try to compete the reality is if you're in the top three, even in the West, which is like so top heavy with Golden State and Houston, if you're in the top three, you are putting yourselves in contention to be a finals contender. 
because all it takes is, you know, one injury at the wrong time, one like bad series of, you know, shooting or guys not playing super motivated, you know, one, one, you know, J.R. Smith trying to run the clock out when it was a tie game or, you know, like one bad play could all of a sudden change the whole dynamic of a season. And so that's why I think they're definitely approaching this with the perspective of, we won 35 games last year. You know, you posted something. I don't know if you tweeted this too, but how many games did we lose by less than 10? Like nine or something? Yeah, around that. So it's like, you know, those games could all be accounted for by having a guy, you know, like... Sorry, by, it was 26. 26, well, 26 games 26. by single digits. <laughs> I was way off. So it's like, we lost 26 games by single digits last year. That's incredible. You know, and so, and we've, we've talked about this before, like so many of those were early season when like a lot of our young guys, like, and I'm especially looking at Lonzo here, but even BI, cause he got off to a kind of slow start to the year. Like we were losing a lot of games when our, some of our young guys weren't giving us anything and we had no veterans and, you know, KCP was our one veteran ish. He was like 24. Um, but it's like, we had nobody to take over those games LeBron James, first of all, a lot of those games wouldn't have been even close. We would have won. You know what I mean? And then the ones that would have been close regardless, you have to think the best player in the NBA is going to get you some of those. You know, so we could easily be a 55-plus win team. I know it sounds crazy, but LeBron has had plus 20. If you watch the ESPN, you know, broadcast tonight, they had all these stats come up about, like, LeBron's first season with his new team and, like, how they did compared to the previous year. And when he went to Cleveland part two, they were plus 20. I, you know, I think that it wouldn't be completely unreasonable for us to do something like that too. And once you're up there in, in those ranks, it's like anything can happen. So I, I just think it's crazy. The idea that like, Oh, they're just mailing it in and wasting a year until they get cap space. No, there's like so much that needs to be built so much like development that needs to happen and because you're in a position to be competitive, you might as well try to win everything. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I guess, do you take offense to the statement that LeBron James' decision here was had nothing to do with basketball and it was all about his family, his lifestyle, and his the future of his entertainment career in the Hollywood industry as a filmmaker, actor, et cetera, et cetera, and that basketball played zero like basketball was was not in the equation for LeBron James at all. Uh do you take offense to that? For me, we've been talking about this for a year and I don't even take offense to that statement because if you're saying that LeBron James the, ma- the majority of LeBron James' decision was non-basketball related, if you've been listening to this podcast, that's exactly what we've been saying the last few months, you know what I'm saying? We we've said there are other things that LeBron James is likely taking into account by making this decision to move to the Western Conference and join the Los Angeles Lakers. He could be thinking about family. He could be thinking about oh, his own entertainment and media ventures. Because just objectively speaking, if he really wanted to win, he'd try and find a way to go to the Houston Rockets or find a way to sign and trade himself to the Golden State Warriors or even just join the 76ers who have the same sort of flexibility, but already a guy like Joel Embiid who you could say, oh, he already has a second superstar before they've even signed another Max guy. So we've been saying a long time that LeBron James' decision was going to come down to more than just basketball. I think I take ups- I take exception 
to that statement when it becomes 0% basketball was, or he didn't factor basketball in whatsoever in his decision. I think that's where I take exception to the statement because if this were the Lakers three years ago with the same amount of cap space, but we had just come off a 17-win season, our young prospects had sucked the entire year, or we didn't have young prospects at all, I have a hard time believing LeBron James would still say, all right, I'm a Laker and I'm ready to play with Anthony Bennett, Robert Sacre, and Ryan Kelly. So I guess, yeah, to ask the question again, do you take exception to that statement that LeBron James came to LA merely because it was a family and business decision? I don't take offense to it because I feel like the media is, I'm just so used to everybody hating on the Lakers that I, you know what I mean? It's like, you can't catch a break if you're the Lakers. Um, and I think this is like a really good example. It, it's like, for so long, people were saying there's no way LeBron would ever go to LA. And we were all, all you know, like you said, we, we were saying from the beginning, well, you're right media like maybe we don't have the you know you're right like other nba fans like maybe we don't have objectively not maybe we can tell you we don't have objectively the best talent base i think the easiest example is the one you said first it's or i don't know if you said first but you in philadelphia like you you sign there you already have joel Embiid, you already have ben simmons who I think could coexist with LeBron and guess what if you're not going to if you're not going to if you don't think they can coexist you can get any player in the NBA for Ben Simmons. Yep. He's he's literally and I when I say any player I mean like if Anthony Davis looks at the front office the wrong way I'm pretty sure they would trade Anthony Davis for Ben. You know what I mean? Like he is that caliber of player. And they have more assets on top of it and lotto picks coming down the pipeline even exactly. if Exactly. Exactly. So you know you could make all those arguments. So we said, "Yeah, we're not crazy. We have eyes. We can see it's objectively. It's not, but there is some personal and business, you know, aspects at play here. But, you know, no, 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 there's no way. There's no way. And then he does it. Oh, well, you know, he only did it because of the the basketball. All right. Sorry. The, the uh, personal reasons and, and all this and that. And it's like, okay. And so when you say you take offense, I totally get it. And it is offensive because it's like so annoying, but I just, I'm so, you know, the Lakers are, you're always going to deal with stuff like this. It's like, we, we talked about this a little bit, actually, I think on the last, the last pod that we recorded, which was, it's the same thing with the young guys. If the young guys do well this year, it's because it's LeBron. only going to be because of LeBron. <laughs> and they just all have to get used to that and get comfortable with that. And frankly, you know, in the long run, this is again, though, a benefit of having LeBron as a teammate. And again, here I, here I go again, second time. I love Kobe, but Kobe was not the type of guy to sit his young teammates down in practice or like look them in the eye and make very clear to them, you're doing this because you're great, not because of me. Kobe would happily let all that stuff just marinate there because he, he would like think that it was some way of like motivating them to be even better. You know what I mean? Because it's like, oh no, now you're so good. There's no way Kobe alone could have made you this good. You know, but it's like LeBron is just so beyond all that stuff. And and I just have no doubts, given his personality, that all this stuff is going to work out. And, you know, having said that, Kobe Bryant and LeBron James have different leadership styles. And for Kobe, that was his way of filtering out and sifting through the guys who are mentally tough enough to be on his team. And it worked out for him in a certain way. And for LeBron James, I think it's going to work out with him specifically for this unique situation that he's in with such a young core group of guys. And I guess I wanted to talk to you now about just honestly, 
spanning LeBron's career, I don't think I'm being hyperbolic when I say this is the most unique roster and NBA season slash situation that I think he's ever been in, where he is one Hall of Famer, one surefire Hall of Famer, still probably considered the best player in the game, and he's surrounded by not only young guys, but lottery prospects with promise. And even in Lakers history, I think this is such an unprecedented time in franchise history because it's been born out of five years of struggles. We also have never been in a situation where we've had multiple lotto-level type prospects, and then all of a sudden we got one superstar. Usually it's been, in conjunction, we have at least two superstars, and then we just surround them by by veterans, and maybe we have one or two young prospects like an Andrew Bynum or Jordan Farmer waiting in the wings. But now it's it's literally LeBron James, and we've kind of flanked him with some veteran help in Rondo, uh, Lance Stevenson, I guess, (laughs) JaVale McGee. But outside of that, it's really just banking on the progression and development of Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hartz, V. Mikhailu, Mo Wagner, and all these guys. And I guess my question to you is, not to play armchair psychologist or whatever, but going back to my statement, going back to the topic of is LeBron James waving the white flag, being a bunch like being with these young guys and sort of babysitting. I guess my question to you is: Is there a part of you that thinks LeBron James is? kind of licking his lips at this challenge and seeing the young guys and saying, man, I actually I actually really see the promise and potential in all these dudes. I, I see what Boston did with Jalen Tatum. Jalen Tatum. <laughs> I put them together. Uh, Jalen Brown and super Jason Tatum. <laughs> super player. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. And I think that with my tutelage and my mentorship, I can make Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, and Lonzo Ball into those types of players in just six months' time. And we'll be in the playoffs and I can work off of these guys. Do you think he's viewing this season as this is not definitely not the best roster that I've ever had for sure, objectively. But I've also never been on a roster with such fresh legs, such hungry players who are out there to prove themselves. And maybe this could be mutually beneficial. Maybe this could be a symbiotic relationship where obviously I'm going to progress their growth and, and the majority of credit is going to fall on me if they progress the way that they're supposed to. But the positive side effect for him is he's going to have these young, energetic, athletic young dudes flanking him and they may actually help increase his longevity because he also has, because he hasn't played with such a young group before. If they play, if they play their cards out right, and look, I'm saying I'm using the, because I'm a Lakers fan, I'm going to look at the most beneficial and positive outcome of all this. And in that, in that scenario, they, they all progress and develop the right way under LeBron James. And, and by summer, they can either get another superstar or fill out their roster with more all-star role players if that makes any sense so for you do you think there's there's a part of lebron james that is like wow i've never been in this situation before and two i relish the challenge i think a hundred percent i mean you know for a long time i was saying i think this guy's coming regardless and if you listen like way back even in i don't know when our season was over which was so long ago it feels like (laughs) april i don't know when the season even ends but uh, at at some point, at you know, then I was like, everybody is, and you can listen back. I guarantee you, I said this. Everybody, everybody is approaching this with this attitude of, um, 
you know, with this attitude of like, LeBron has done things a certain way his whole life. Why would he ever change? Oh, LeBron always ring chases. Oh, LeBron, you know, does this and that. LeBron formed one super team. Yes. Okay. We can agree. He formed the Miami super team. Since then, it's like, I think you've tweeted about this. Um, Cleveland was, you know, a lot of ways similar to this. Cleveland part two. It's like, he had a different purpose. Cleveland was, I'm coming back home. I'm trying to win a championship for a city that I, you know, raised me and that has not won a sports championship in like 60 years or whatever. And same thing here. He had like a different purpose. So I don't know, dude. It's just, <laughs> what's his purpose? It's just like, you know, so it's like people said like, oh, well, he's just going to ring chase. That's his MO. It's just like frustrating to even talk about it. Oh, but it's yeah. just like, he's going to ring chase. That's his MO. And and I was always just of the mindset of like, no, there's more to it though. Like LeBron has been to the finals eight times in a row. He's been to the finals nine times in his career. He's won three rings. How can you actually sit there and act like everything is just the same now as it was when he was making his Miami decision? You know, so, so to your point of new challenges or like licking his chops at, at this idea, this is one of many new challenges for him. The first one, playing in a completely, you know, different conference. The second one, playing for the storied franchise that, you know, despite what's happened in the last five years, like most, what, I think even Bill Simmons tweeted like eight of the 13 best players of all time played a portion of their career with at least a portion of their career with the Lakers. You know, so it's like, you know, those are those are two big challenges. And then the second challenge is, like you said, and third challenge is working with the young guys and seeing, can I, you know, make, I know at this point I have like four years left, you know, maybe five or six if I'm trying to play against my son for one year because that would be like sentimental, you know what I mean? But <laughs> <laughs> so maybe, you know, very, the point is you can see the finish line for the first time um, and maybe this is my way of leaving a lasting impact on the game by bringing guys like Kyle Kuzma and Brandon Ingram up to my level so that when I'm gone, you know, the NBA has something to enjoy for like, you know, another decade. I can't wait till 2025 when we have a team of LeBron James, Bronny Jr., Lonzo Ball, and LiAngelo Ball. Not LaMelo, dude. LaMelo Ball. <laughs> LaMelo, Lonzo, Bronny, and LeBron James. That and LiAngelo. And, and LiAngelo for some reason, because at that point, why not? Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah no, I, I totally agree with you. And I think for me, you know, people will say, you just said, look, LeBron James has been to the finals eight or nine straight times. He's won the, he's won three championships. He completed his mission and goal, winning one for Cleveland. And a lot of people are, are are taking all of that and saying, yeah, you're right. So he's tired. He doesn't need to prove anything else. That's why he's come to the Lakers. He's waving the white flag. Uh, he's propping his feet up and saying, all right, time to go all in on Hollywood. I got this new small foot movie coming out with Channing Tatum. And this is going to be my life. And basketball is just going to be a sideshow. Tommy, do you think that's the case or... For me, it's like, I, I don't understand why people are making this such a mutually exclusive kind of deal. Like, LeBron James is solely focused on all the entertainment stuff now that basketball is secondary. For me, if we are, you can't have it both ways in terms of LeBron James has come to the most storied franchise in the NBA under 
the Hollywood spotlight when he knows Jack Nicholson, Denzel Washington will will be watching him courtside every game, and then and then even more stars, and say that LeBron James is going to just kick up his feet and relax and not take this seriously, especially when he knows he's under the shadow of Magic Johnson and Kobe Bryant now. Uh, people have been saying that. They, they've been saying, oh, I can't wait till LeBron James loses in the second round and then all the Lakers fans turn on him and say, you can't even do what Kobe did. People people say use that argument against LeBron James and this this experiment with the Lakers and then along the same lines also say, and he's just going to hang it up and not try. Yeah, if, it's... If, if LeBron James knows all of this and he knows this pressure is on him, do you really think he's going to spend his first year not going out there and giving his all? Well, yeah, and of course, like... <laughs> Of course, everybody just has to be extreme about everything, right? It's like, just because this was a partial, a decision partially motivated by business and like potential post NBA career, it's not like this fool can film a feature length movie during the season. You know what I mean? There's just no time. Like, it's not even about, oh, well, yeah, but when he's at practice, he's going to be thinking right after this, I have to go. Sh- you know, shoot a movie with Channing Tatum. That's not how a movie works, dude. Like, you know, like that's going to be like, he needs all day to dedicate to that kind of stuff. If he's going to, you know, have a big role in it. Like you're on the road constantly. This, when, when we say it's a, it's a business decision, it's not, not about filming like a movie during the season. It's about ingratiating yourself to Los Angeles. Because this is like the industry that you're trying, this is the city that you're trying to be the king of now. You know what I mean? So how well, how better to ingratiate yourself to the fans than by winning? You know, if you come here and you don't win, okay, what are you? You know what I mean? Nobody's going to remember you. Shaq says, says this all the time. I came to LA, you know, when he was 26 or whatever, and it was this big thing and he was like, I'm going to be rich and I'm going to have this big contract and I'm going to be in movies and everybody's going to love me. And he said his life didn't really change until he started winning. And once he started winning, things started changing because again, that's, that's like, that's the goal of this. The goal of this is to make yourself LeBron James, the Laker and create that legacy for yourself with these LA fans because this is like it's like you said Denzel Jack you know those are just the faces that we know how many hollywood execs are going to be sitting in those seats you know like the expensive seats and they have season tickets and they've just had crap to watch for the last 5 years and all of a sudden lebron is out there giving them a show night in and night out for the next 4 years you think that there's no way that's going to like influence their their behavior and their business dealings with him it definitely is so it's it's not like this is oh lebron is going to mail it in and and basketball is going to be secondary to him because he's worried about other stuff no the other stuff is going to come but it's just just like he set up his move to miami just like he set up his move to cleveland part two just like he set up this move to la by coming to la he's setting up his post nba career and that's what this is it's a setup it's a four-year, let me lay, lay the foundation. So when I'm done, it's not going to be this awkward, like, okay, now what do I do for the next two years? You know, like when you're trying to find a job after college. It's like, no, I've already built a foundation. So when I'm done, I'm immediately, that's who I am now, LeBron James, Hollywood guy. Let me lay the foundation, but also win one in the Western Conference with, one of the, most stor- with the most storied franchise in the league even in spite of the fact that they are not set up to win 
I think that's also part of his motivation. And, and like you just mentioned, this guy's got Space Jam 2 in the pipeline. What kind of movie is Space Jam 2 going to be if he's not trying out there and not winning another championship? You don't think that LeBron James is cognizant of the fact that when Space Jam came out, it coincided with Michael Jordan coming back to the NBA and then winning an, winning another championship? You don't think LeBron James also wants that narrative to very poetically line up with when Space Jam 2 comes out? So it's crazy to me that people are like, yeah, he's just going to think about Hollywood and movies and stuff like that and not play basketball. It's like, dude, he's going to play basketball. He probably wants to win a championship for Space Jam 2. You know, these things are not mutually exclusive. In fact, they can work hand in hand. You say he's not filming filming a movie. Tommy, I I say he's filming a movie and he's going to want to win while filming that movie throughout the season. So... Yeah, I, I think that's that's my rebuttal to all of the uh, statements trying to discount all of the different ways that the Lakers have wound up with LeBron James. And look, it was lucky. It was a matter of timing, perfect timing, but it also took some planning, quote unquote, some pl- it took a lot of planning from Rob Palenka and Magic Johnson to get us into this situation. They had to make some tough decisions, including trading D'Angelo Russell, uh, offloading Timofey Mozgov drafting well in terms of Kyle Kuzma and Josh Hart and selling them selling LeBron James on more than just the business aspect of things and I think a large part of that was gaining his trust that he would be in an organization that knew how to take care of him and this goes all the way back to the Kobe contract right and we talked about this before as well Um, even that show of loyalty that was a long long play sort of move um, the, playing the long game, showing LeBron James that, hey, even if you get injured during your tenure, we're the type of organization that will take care of you. And even though it doesn't seem like we have a team that can outright battle with the Golden State Warriors in year one, that doesn't mean we're not going to do things to help improve this team by even as early as midseason during the trade deadline. You know, But for right now, I think it's best to... Be patient and wait and see what happens. And honestly, I don't, I would not, would you be surprised if by trade deadline we have an entirely different team? I wouldn't, but I'm just glad that they're taking the approach that let's just see how the first half of the year year goes with the young guys and see if their progress and development can be expedited. And from there, then we gain all the leverage and we can just wait this out till the the full end of the year. So any last words on LeBron James' most interesting and unique season? LeBron James. I guess that's all that needs to be said. Um, yeah, with that said, let's let's end this show here. Tommy, I just wanted to end with one last statement. Um, and you can comment if you want to. But, uh, dude, I hate Isaac Bonga, man. Isaac Bonga's a goat, dude. Nah, he sucks. Bonga line sucks! And that is a surefire sign that we are back as Lakers fans because it's been a while since... I've had a prospect that I irrationally hate and refuse to use any sort of qualifiers and contextual clues at his potential and development, analyzing the way he runs and this one great 10 second stretch that he had where he ran like a normal human being and was able to dribble the ball without getting it stripped. Uh, Thank God we don't have to worry about Isaac Bonga this year. I'm sure he'll be great. I'm sure he'll be fine in the long run. But you know what? Doesn't matter because LeBron James... All right, with that said, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes. Uh, the more you rate and review us, that's how many. That's how many hyphens Xavier Raton Mays will have in his name. 
why, why would he have more? Does he already that's have a, a lot? That's how many. That's that's why you got to do the reviews because he needs more. He needs more. X R M X. Go and give it to you. No, he's not. Lakers summer league's over. Regular season is about to happen. Man, it's going to be such a such a grind from here on out. But <laughs> when does training camp start? Do you know? It's like the it first week be, of September, right? I think so. And then I think everything's because, pushed pushed earlier a little by like a, a week or so. So well, yeah, because doesn't the season starts like mid October now? Yes. So and doesn't so, preseason start like mid September? Either mid September or like the last week of September, like September twenty ish or so. Oh, okay, I see. Yeah, that it's gonna man. September seems like so far from now, especially with no more summer league and no more NBA. Tra- or there might still be NBA trades, but uh. Yeah, we will try and keep you guys entertained throughout this summer. Garrett Temple, bro. And... <laughs> what? Garrett Temple? Garrett Why Temple got him... traded today. <laughs> oh, he did. Oh, that's lit. That's lit, man. Some hey, by the way, trades. I uh, I got the new LeBron 15 lows. Oh. I saw the picture. They look oh, nice. you saw it? Yeah, right? Uh, they have a... Uh, they are kind of olive green in certain lighting and then kind of gray silverish in other lighting and then it has a nice like peach pinkish trim because i'm secure in my manlyhood like that so yeah got the new lebron 15 lows and also i got a lebron james co- jersey coming in the mail as well so lebron james which jersey did you get the white one you know my friends didn't tell me i got this all for my birthday this past oh, weekend interesting. so hopefully it's I the black know. one that one's pretty sick Ooh, that'd be sick I wonder if it's the new one, you know, the ones, or maybe those oh, haven't come out yet, right? Ah, damn it. Yeah, I don't think they came out, but the concept came out or something. Wank I saw a picture, wank. I feel like. I don't know if somebody made it up. I don't know what it was, but. They look like hardwood classic retro jerseys. Yeah, they look sick, dude. They're sick. Um, but yeah, I guess there's all that to look forward to. Buy your LeBron James gear now. Um, yeah, with that said, we'll catch you guys next time. Again, please rate and review us on iTunes. Helps out a lot. Also, patreon.com slash the Lakers Legacy Podcast. Hoping to get some guests on to fill the summer void this year in the upcoming episode. So stay tuned for that. And yeah, we'll catch you guys on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. With that said, Tommy, I will let you go. Peace. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents, which means you're going to start telling your kids to clean up before the cleaning lady comes. Doesn't make sense, but you're the parent and they're the kids. You're going to start telling them that now, too. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. And there's your opening to remind them who pays the bills around here. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. This is what flow from Progressive sounds like in one of our many hilarious commercials. Hi, did you know that you can get a quote on your motorcycle insurance in under three minutes at Progressive.com? And did you know that saying hi makes even bad news sound good? Hi, you have high cholesterol. Hi, you're fine. And this is what that same commercial sounds like on your motorcycle. Hi, there's no more even our commercials sound better on a bike. And with basic policy starting at $75 a year, Progressive helps keep you on yours. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Annual premium for basic liability policy not available in all states.